this uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon Jovic, Nick and Dan, and it's midweek madness. That's right, we have the Man City EFL Cup match review. I cracked the hams. Shit's popping off, gentlemen. Schlitz popping off? Ever had a Schlitz? Mm. If you mm-hmm. had one, that would have been way better. <laughs> the, look, nothing nothing against the fine folks at hams who could always support this podcast. Slams <laughs> your hams. <laughs> if they really want to. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, this last couple of matches have been the uh, hams equivalent of football, Dan. And that's where we are. Yeah, I mean, I... I guess is hams worse than a like a natty a natty light? I mean, I guess where does it rank? And having not had have enjoyed this delicacy, I appreciate your ability to try to <laughs> derail this because you don't want to talk about yep. it. But that would take hours. I will see you tomorrow, and we can maybe start the chart then. Let's. But I think we should really dive into this because yeah, see. <laughs> see, <laughs> look, I think there's something really interesting we could tap into. You know? I have to go back to fighting the internet. So if we could just, <laughs> uh, if you're bored, go check out my timeline. It's been fun. It's been interactive and engaging. But we do want to do the Manchester City match review. I mean, shit, we sat down. Might as well put something out. Uh, we will be specifically talking about how there were some bright spots. Uh, including the pre-match uh, EDM festival inside the stadium. Uh, we talk about how maybe we're actually lucky to be out at the AFL trophy, or are we big team mentality? And then lastly, is Potter really a villain? The internet is on fire over Potter out. I've never seen so much bring back Tommy T in my life, which I am really confused. So anyways, before we get into what I and we have to say, Dan, hit us with what the people had to say in the patented three-word match review. Well, we start with our good friend Scott, Carefree Youth, with no end product. Very, very astute there. Good, sir. Clip show with the Triangle of Sadness, referring to the front three and not the movie coming out later this year. (laughs) Tana with Shitty at City. Very accurate there as well. Pricked plus with the fewer games now, looking for the silver lining. Our good friend Claire with the I don't care, which still enough, I think, a lot of people's reactions to it. And then Jason Cassidy with what care about Cup? Because it's already washed away from his memory. Yeah, it uh, washes away quick, that aftertaste, uh, as we all know. Uh, anyways, Nick, what about your three-word match review? Uh, if, if you remember one, one Jose Mourinho who had a Mickey Mouse cup, I believe there was a comment made back in the day. Uh, I went with Mickey meh cup. That was kind of the performance. That's kind of how I feel about it, to be honest with you. I also remember him in quotes coming from him saying how it was the most important thing when he came to Chelsea was to win that first trophy. But Hey, you know, once you've won so many trophies, you can He's call it a Mickey Mouse cup. He's a complicated guy with a lot of different takes, you know? Like when he won the treble with United and it was the <laughs> the fucking community shield, the <laughs> EFL Cup in the Europa League. Uh, good times. Oh, love that. Uh, Dan, what about you? Missing the caffeine because we didn't always have all the energy we needed to take this one the full length of the game. Dan, is that one hitting home personally for you right now for any reason? Absolutely, <laughs> yes. It's been a long, long week. Can you talk about the game and not your day right yeah. <laughs> What if they're parallels? Line up the Jamie Vardy, uh, crush some Red Bulls pre-match. We could have gotten through it. There we go. Uh, I said, coulda, woulda, shoulda, because we coulda, we woulda, and we shoulda, but we didn't. And it was hilariously just embarrassing at times. So, anyways, uh, we do have some shout-outs. But I apologize. I didn't have time to pull them in. I know someone joined Patreon. We'll hit you at the weekend. Uh, I'm sure there's more Apple Podcast reviews in Spotify. But if not, just please go do it again. Spread the love of the show. How many other podcasters are going to come to you with this much love and excitement after getting drubbed to nothing against Mencini on a, on a Wednesday night? No You're one. just not going to get no anywhere one. else. The answer is no Thank one. Thank you. He's excited. He got his Red Bull. We're in. Dan's back. Here we go. Uh, it was Manchester City. In the EFL Cup this past Wednesday, the 9th of November, did did we did we see the tweets, guys, where the the team got the 9th of November messed up to 9-11-11-9? We don't that we don't need to dive into that, but unlucky, um, yep. unlucky. unlucky indeed. Uh, at the Etihad Stadium, 
where there was a an, an EDM concert pre-match, in case you all saw a disco ball <laughs> and <laughs> all, <laughs> in case you somehow missed it. Scoreline, Chelsea, t- or, I'm sorry, City 2, Chelsea nil. Goals coming in the 53rd minute from Riyad Mahrez, and then uh, for free kick, and then 58th, Julian Alvarez, uh, a little bit of a... Well, unlucky bounce, to say the least. Anyways, I did check. The Fist Stand app does have the highlights, so kick on over to them, Jake. Uh, The official Chelsea FC app. They let us use the highlights. We appreciate it. Make sure you download the app, and we'll be right back. Reese James is something we all know, a world-class player. Such a shame he won't be involved. Chelsea in the front foot here. Pudasic with the effort, the deflection, perhaps... He's the one driving Chelsea forwards here in this first half, and he brings a fine save out of Ortega, leaping to his left. Forwards by Kovacic. Mares to Gundogan. Now Alvarez able to turn and strike first time. That's the kind of striker that he is. Gundogan. Gundogan to Grealish. He's going to go for goal here, and it draws the save from Mendy. Pulisic can push it through to Gruyere. He goes out to Hall instead. Big chance for the youngster. Lovely composure. His effort to Ortega. Will it be Grealish or will it be Mares? Looks as if it will be Riyad Mahrez, and he puts Manchester City into the lead. And City are coming forward, here's Alvarez. He spots Mahrez with a bit of space inside the Chelsea penalty area, looking to shift it onto that left foot, pushed away by Mendy, and turned in by Julio Alvarez. To Ziyech. Hits the pass, but Ziyech does really well with it. Still Ziyech rolls it across. Chance here for Chelsea. Fabulous save. Comes headed away by Ake. Gallagher was just stretching there. Couldn't catch it cleanly, but a chance here. And it whistles past the post from Mason. All right, Dan, a lineup. I mean, an amorphous blob. A collection of players. What was it? Who started? How did we line up? 11 Warriors enter the pitch. To go head to head with the Lemon Warriors from Manchester. And it was Edouard Mendy between the sticks, Trev Chalba, Koulibaly, and Kukurea as your defenders with Loftus Cheek and Lewis Hall. That's right, Lewis Hall, he's back playing wing back for us. Zakaria and Kovacic as your midfielders, Ziesh, Broya, and Pulisic as your attack. Uh, look, we had a couple of substitutes. They included Raheem Sterling, Mason Mount, Connor Gallagher, Cesar Spoquetta, Kai Havertz, but unfortunately, no Hutchinson, which I think is the one individual we would have liked to see him get a few minutes or a little bit of a run out. But that sadly did not happen. I don't know. The Internet seemed pretty divided on that. <laughs> Just uh, look, I it, we'll get into it, but it was crazy not to put him out the other day. Crazy. It uh, <laughs> was definitely uh, an opportunity to to win at least sentimental points, but hey, maybe Potter's not into that. Some of the top line stats, Chelsea with 15 shots, five on target, not bad. Uh, City with 18 shots, nine on target, though, taking the edge. Uh, possession, 56% to the citizens, 44% to Chelsea. Uh, they had 89% pass, actually at 85. Again, just the fact that we were relatively close with them all match. They had 13 fouls to our nine, uh, but... As you would expect, they only had one caution to our three. Uh, three offsides to our four, nine corners to our six. Yeah, you know, it, it statistically, it was close. Uh, I didn't have a chance to see any XGs or where that might land. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but um, I would like to think the XGs were probably pretty close as well. Um, did you have an end pet shithouse moment of the match or anything that kind of stood out, Nick? Not really, no. I mean, Aspie got a little bit feisty with Grealish yeah. at one point, but like... There was yeah. a lot of chest-to-chest. Aspie did make try to make himself look a little bigger, though, um, which was nice. He really inflated the old chest there and really stuck that out. But yeah, it was. I mean, it was a pretty tame affair for the most part. 
Yeah. No, that ne- is... Neither team trying to get hurt before the World Cup, basically. So. A lot of rotations. Like, Dan took us through ours. Obviously, City had, I think, five, six... A pretty damn good changes. team is what they had. <laughs> a lot of changes. I mean, I did. They, Who knew they, they had, had Ederson Jr. In, in backup goal? What the hell? Yeah, I mean, like, anyone who tells you that those two teams are at the same level of rotation is absolutely fucking nuts. I mean, it's, it's almost like the ah. managers had a chance to have a long-term period to coach into the side the exact way he would like every single wow. one to play, regardless of how many minutes they've actually had with the first team in any capacity. Dan, now hold on. You're just, you're just saying a lot of words in an order that, you know, a lot of us don't understand. Fair. Frankly, I don't, I don't think that we're anywhere close to being, in a position to let someone do their job for a period of time. You know, I think we just need to either you win a game or you get fired. That's where we go from here. All right. Makes One sense. shot. Yeah, it, it is. Um, uh, XG popped in the script magically, which is exciting. So the at XG philosophy, bringing it to us, uh, man city, 1.82 XG Chelsea's 1.9 XG. So for the XG warriors out there, but up, but we won, we won. By 0.08, uh, which is good to see. Anyways, we're going to take our ad break. When we get back, we're jumping right in with the positivity of a few bright spots. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show, and we're going to be right back. All right, few bright spots. I mean, at the end of the day, there were some good showings out there. Uh, obviously, I think Lewis Hall is the one that really got the Chelsea fans in. I think the press box um, writing headlines pretty quickly caught the eye. And a little bit of context here is that Lewis Hall typically plays center mid uh, for the dev squad, Nick. So he can play left wing back, left back, left center back, but really he's been playing a lot of center mid. Uh, I was talking to Phil at Chelsea Youth about it a little bit yesterday when Potter kind of talked about how Lewis Hall and Amari Hutchinson uh, were probably going to be involved at some level, at minimum traveling. And then as we got closer, we're like, well probably isn't going to play left or I'm sorry, center mid. Cause we do have a little bit of depth there. And sure enough, he popped up at the left wing back. I, he looked ready. He was at the level that was needed today. And if anything, he was above expectations. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we didn't really get to see his footballing skills last year against Chesterfield. Right. I mean, he was in that like weird hybrid left center back kind of left back, just like, don't let anyone buy on the left-hand side and, and you're going to be good. Uh, this was much more of a footballing display. And the young man acquitted himself incredibly well. Um, he had great control of the ball. He had great passing of the ball. Even hit a couple of really, really dangerous diagonals all the way over to the right-hand side. Uh, whether that was to Broya or Pulisic or... Uh, you know, to, to anyone on, who was kind of encroaching on the right side. Ruben got a couple of them. The, he j- ran at people and dribbled by them multiple times. Uh, super refreshing to see because our team doesn't really do that anymore anymore except for uh, Kovacic. Um, I, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at a post-Chillwell world, Dan, where, where he's not available for probably most of the rest of the season at this point, you know, two, three months, get that hamstring right. And then not re-injure it while you're getting fit. Right. Which is the hardest part. I saw, I saw a young man who could contribute to this team uh, moving forward. And that's really exciting. Well, he had two shots on target. He had, which was tied for first at the time. Uh, they were, he could have both of them too. God, he could have. Oh, yeah. Gosh. You know, he put, Ugh. he, he put uh, what was it uh, there, Lewis or Diaz on skates inside Oof. the box. He had three dribbles at the time, which was the first. He had 100% success with those. He had six duels, one, and he had one possession back four times, which was tied for first. Which, look, even if it is a depleted Manchester City side, that is still <laughs> one of the best teams in the world. In, in world football at the moment, maybe in galactic football. I don't know. We'll have to ask the aliens when they arrive. But in general, he was great. He's everything that you could ask. It was a boost of energy. And look, the other things we have tried have not worked out well. And we are currently without a player. Now, the big issue is what happens 
post-World Cup and who comes back healthy. But look, could Lewis Hall play this weekend? And would I be okay with that? Absolutely. Against uh, he, Newcastle. Yeah. He, 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 he just looks like a, a Premier League caliber player. I mean, the confidence, you know, t- right? Yeah. Like, he wasn't it, phased. Exactly. And, and like he played against a Premier League caliber team today. I, I think Man City are the best team in the league. I know the league table doesn't reflect that right now, but I think by it. the end of it, they're going to cruise to the title again. And, you know, like you, you look at where he was coming up on the left-hand side. Obviously, Lewis is another young player who's played against in, in the youth levels uh, throughout his time, right? But uh, on his side, Rodri and Mares, right? So he had defensive work to do. Uh, he was confident with the ball. Again, he made really sharp passes into midfield, which I appreciate because I think oftentimes our passing gets so lackadaisical and tired and boring that we become predictable, right? And he wasn't predictable today. I mean, it was a breath of fresh air that we desperately needed in the team. I just, I credit him, you know, he's 18, 19 years old. Um, just a wonderful performance at that age against this team. And he should be really excited about his future. I mean, if I'm Graham Potter and I'm looking at him, I'm seeing shades of like a Sully March or uh, even a Trossard or someone who can be really, really dangerous on a wing, but can also kind of tuck in and and play inside too to help the attack. And man, you know, I don't think he's on un- unseating Kovacic or Jorginho tomorrow or anything like that, but. I think, you know, got to kind of take the ops as they're given to you, right? And he did a lot with his op today. I don't think there's any Chelsea fans are going to look and say, nah, you know what? He just didn't quite do enough today. <laughs> Not a fan, you know? You know no, he, he definitely did, and I think that that's good. He um, he is the second highest goal scorer in the dev squad. He has four goals, three assists, uh, no pens. Uh, he's behind Omar Hutchinson who's on five goals and four assists, six and six in all competitions. So again, as we talk so highly about Amari Hutchinson, how he is too good for PL2, right on his heels is, is Lewis Hall, who actually, good for him, can play a position that we need depth in right now. I mean, the only thing better would be right wing back. But with Chilwell out to your point, uh, with the all the defensive issues we have, I mean, you had Koulibaly's playing center, center back or sweeper. Kukurea is playing left center back, which we all know we don't really love that about him. Trevo has played his 37th match in a row at right center back uh, or, um, yeah, but one of the, in a back four. And so if, if he could play on the right side, maybe a little bit better just because there's more injuries stacked up there. But like, again, he didn't do himself any harm whatsoever. And you know, he can score uh, super unlucky today. I think, I think we can all also say like, hey, a bit nervy, like right in front of goal, probably couldn't believe that he was unmarked eight yards out, but he should do better. But again, halftime, you got to get yourself. He created that chance for him. He created it for himself. So that that run that he made on his first chance, boy, where have we seen that run before? Is it Marcus Alonso? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's exactly what he did every fucking time. It was like, it was freaky to me because you see Pulisic, Pulisic's like, oh, there's no one there? Pass over, right? And it, you have an open open shot. He would have had to do a lot with that chip to get it over because the goalkeeper did close down the space pretty well and and even got down. I mean, uh, you know, it was, it was unfortunate. The second one's going to be the one that he's pissed off that he missed more than the first one, I think. But, uh, yeah, look, I mean, in a team that is crying out for a little bit of creativity, a little bit of energy, you know, just get us to this goddamn World Cup as quickly as possible. I mean, if I'm any of these youngsters at Cobham, and Brandon, you talk to these guys, or you talk to Phil about these guys all the time, right? If I'm looking at this team right now, and I'm looking at some of the performances that I'm seeing from some of the first team, I'm knocking on old Graham's door during the World Cup and going, hey, guys, uh... (laughs) Maybe I could be of assistance. The old Bill Murray from Space Jam, you know? Oh, you know? there you go. Good throwback. You know? Dealer? So, okay. So two, just two things real quick. I think, one, Adam Newson tweeted, I think, uh, that um, uh, Lewis Hall uh, forcing him forcing himself into Gare Southgate's emergency <laughs> World Cup squad. I love that. That's great. <laughs> but uh, the, the shout-out to Phil uh, at Chelsea Youth. This is something that we recorded a while ago. It looks like this came out 
January 7th of 2022, right? And the, he said, quote, about the youth, quote, they, may, they might not score a hat trick or be man of the match immediately, but they also won't let you down. There's a baseline level of talent at Cobham that means when your number's called, you have the ability to do the job that's asked of you. I mean, it's He perfect. nailed it. Yeah. I mean, but that extends to like all, like, think about the players who are not playing particularly well right now. Are they Cobham products? Largely not. <laughs> Largely not. So, I mean... I, he's the next in, in what is a long line. I mean, Phil has talked at length, Dan, about this pipeline that's coming through, that some of these youngsters at like the 14, 15-year-old level are even better than the Mason Mount Reese James class that that uh, came before it. I mean, it's what you dream of in a, in a club like this is to have this steady talent of uh, or pipeline of talent. Sorry, I can't even speak today. Uh, that allows you to flex in and flex out and make big transfer moves for those players that you desperately need at a certain quality. And man, yeah, what if Lewis Hall plays eight or 10 games at left wing back for Chelsea this year? Like how amazing would that be for him? I don't know. I think it's possible. Oh, and you look at what he's done with his time in the the PL2 at the moment this season. So uh, obviously there's not a ton of matches that have occurred there, but he's had nine starts in 11 matches played, four goals, three assists that's a pretty nice creative output again playing center mid and he's left footed which is really important I'm because sorry. were the stats not good enough when i read them out dan no you i just double I, I, I'm down reinforcing it in case you missed it in case you're listening at 1.25 <laughs> speed did, did you guys know that he has a certain number of goals and assists i think it's well? four <laughs> four goals left footed anyways hard pivot you know what's kind of funny Edouard Mendy had a good shot-stopping match. Yes. But I still think we all go, but he probably doesn't really fit this style, does he? Bit of a conundrum. Uh, can, I, can I speak on that for a second? Because I was, I, was happy, I was happy with his performance today. You know, like for the that record, free kick. Same. That free kick, he's not stopping. Like, no goalkeeper stopping that. that it's just That's a rip. <laughs> I mean, you just you pick that one up and, and move on with your life. Isn't it funny that Koulibaly didn't jump and Kovic, uh, he knew Kovacic was laying below him? Like, isn't that the, a miss? That's the that's the whole problem with that move, all right, all right. is that he, he was rooted to the ground. He had no reason to be. Nope. He had a bad game, by the way, um, which we'll talk about in a sec. But, uh, but Mendy looked apart. He looked like he was confident back there stopping shots again the second goal is a little unlucky right he he does his job he deflects it out wide not into the goal like like maybe Kepa's done in the past and you know the alvarez just started to clean up alvarez by the way a really good fucking player <laughs> so it's really like uh, you know I, I you look at this match like i i don't think this is on mendy like mendy mendy did a, a fantastic job stopping shots today i mean he had a bunch of saves so you know, you're you're happy with with seven saves, and you know I don't know it's fine. They, they had fifty percent shots on target. He had a lot of work to do. Yeah, I, you're correct. I just with the ball at his feet and some things like that, you still kind of go back to it. What is the system though? I mean, I, that's what I don't know. When you say the system, I don't know what the system is yet. I don't think it's well defined at all. So, I, I think like his mid to long range passes out to the wings and things like that are, are where it maybe is a little bit lacking. But so again, Kepa's. what, well, I, what I was just going to say though, is what a, what a good place to be that we have to nitpick his footwork and maybe distribution because as far as crosses and shot stopping, there's nothing to nitpick. The other thing that city does really well and this is just like part of their style is they do those like floated balls to the back post. Right. And Mendy came out and claimed a bunch of those today. Looked confident in the air. Um, I think Alvarez tried to like even lay one on him a little bit and just kind of bounced him off. So, I mean, like you like to see that and the goalkeeper is not afraid to come out and make the the critical catch when, when they can before it gets dangerous. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think today was his best performance of the, of the year probably. Right. Yeah. He was the highest. He was the highest rated player on who scored, which it's the poor Your man's favorite. Rating. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you, you brought it back. A, you have FB a problem. Ref, <laughs> FB ref, 
isn't available. We, we need an intervention for you <laughs> who scored. We just got to hey, start at some point. Shout out to the goalkeepers union. Mendy was the second highest rated player, 8.1, and the number one rated player was Ortega, 8.2. I like how he went accurate. to the one stat site that rated the goalkeepers <laughs> as the best players in the match. Hey, oh, offer man. me an alternative, sir. Brennan's, Brennan's just outside of who scored headquarters with the boom box, like playing baby come back, you know? Not there, Epi Ref. I just speed it up, speed it up. Um, Ruben, he seemed to slot into right wing back great. Kovacic looked good. He still can't play the final pass. Uh, Broya Ziyech, Pulisic, obviously we had the triangle of sadness, Dan. Thoughts, feelings, emotions? I think Broya looked to be a bit of a problem for mm-hmm. Diaz and Laporte. For It was really, if you have one more attacker there or if they're kind of on the same wavelength a little bit more. There were a couple of times where he ran it forward and tried to press or shoot instead of laying up somebody else to kind of make it a more collaborative attack. I think there's something there. I'm really interested to see how his season evolves. And I, I think that maybe a high expectation is if you could get, I don't know, 10, 10 to 15 goal contributions from him, between now and the end of the season, that would be a really interesting contribution that he could make. And then I actually think Kukurea had a much better game in this match than he did in uh, our last time on the pitch and did so under a fair bit of pressure too. And I think that was a very, very nice element of the game to see is he was able to play out of the press pretty well, which was a, a nice piece. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at this game, right? The stakes are pretty low in this one. We all chalked this up as an opportunity to rotate a couple weeks ago when we talked about the prospects of the game, right? I'm, I want to win everything, but the reality of where we are right now as a team, as the World Cup comes up, uh, with the injuries that we have and with the new ownership and new leadership within the club, you can't get everything that you want. Th- this is one of those things that unfortunately we're not going to have this year that might have just been sacrificed due to, you know, having a more important game at the weekend. Right. I, I don't think Chelsea played badly in this game. Like I, I we'll talk about the, the freak out and stuff like that in, in a bit, but like this was a much better performance than the weekend against, you know, a, a similar quality caliber team. We, we got in behind city a few times. There was some dynamism to the attack at times. Yes, we didn't score again, which is becoming a problem. There's no doubt about that. But the overall performance didn't leave me feeling sour or anything like that. It's a bummer to lose. Like, you don't want to lose these games. I love beating City, especially if, if you have a, a bit of a, uh, a weakened team like we did in that FA Cup semifinal a couple of years ago where Ziyech got the, the one goal. Like, that was phenomenal. But... They're really good, too. They get paid, too. <laughs> and and right now, they're just better than we are. And so we got to work on that. But we're not going to be working on it with the League Cup uh, and all that stuff. So that's fine. Yeah, I, I my wrap on that would be that um, the second goal, we just were disengaged and they caught us. Uh, and and so the longer it stays one nothing, the more likely we have it. But like you think the sequences we had, all the half chances and the XG the XG quantifies that, right? Of like, how close were you? And at the end of the day, we did enough to score um, and and we just didn't. I mean, hilariously at one point in our WhatsApp, we were just like, did, I mean, you you almost like couldn't like make this up if you were trying to to like show how close we could get and still miss. But um, the funny no, it's kind of like Three Stooges stuff in the attack today. Just like, yeah, look between the like the Arsenal result and this result, I think there are some silver linings to be taken from them. Uh, I think the Brighton one sucks a lot, uh, but again, technically the two best teams in England, and we're you know able to keep up with them. We're just missing that killer edge that both those teams have. And Kunku's music. Sorry, Dan. I thought you were gonna say it. Yeah, Dan. No, I'm good. Oh, all right. Uh, so the next thing I want to talk about is, are we better off without the EFL Cup? And I'm not saying it that we are. I'm just saying it as a question. Uh, one of the problems, Dan, would be, when the hell would we even play these games? So that's not a problem anymore. But as you can see, the the fixture congestion that we have is unreal. Dale Johnson at ESPN uh, saying that there's literally no natural vacant slot in the schedule as it stands 
to get in the Chelsea Liverpool match be it because our Champions League draws have naturally put us on opposite weeks. So there's no place uh, from now until kind of the end of the season to make that up. I don't even know what we could have done with the EFL Cup. Um, it'd be nice to have. It's not a need. We have so many injuries. Like at some point, priorities have to be be made. I think in this scenario, and I think this maybe this tweet was probably prior to us both dropping uh, us dropping out of the EFL Cup. So yeah, there there was some hope maybe that oh hey what if uh, Liverpool uh, get knocked out which. Almost happened. Uh, they went to penalties and seemingly survived in some way, shape, or form. It is probably better for the overall health of the players. Whether it is better for your hopes at Chelsea potentially securing a trophy this season, it reduces one opportunity out of the other one that we probably will not compete in, which is the Premier League trophy. So let's just say two trophies are off the board. So now you have an FA Cup or a Champions League to go in. Um, but I mean, the, the tournament took some teams today. And you might have looked at yourself if you had made it past this City team, feeling like you were probably one of the favorites to go on and win it. And so I think that's probably the biggest letdown even if the scheduling fixture was a, a challenge was going to be a problem that maybe is the the one negative that this maybe became a more winnable tournament if you had made it pass given how the other results fell yeah i mean it's so spurs lost to a 10-man forest team today right arsenal lost to brighton Excellent. Um, Excellent. And we lost the city. Which which one of those results seems most plausible to you? <laughs> I like if you really want to talk about like uh, as our friends would say in the UK, like downing tools. Like Spurs lost to a ten man Forest team. Forest are terrible. Liverpool <laughs> won, but they won on penalties against Derby County, who are in relegate administration. Yeah. So I, I mean. Am I saying that a lot of good teams did not take this tournament particularly seriously this year? I am. Uh, do I think that that's any indictment on where the club is right now or if this is any indictment on the, the staff or the manager or whatever? Like, no. I mean, you have to beat good teams to win trophies. Chelsea have won a lot of trophies and beat a lot of good teams over the years, right? We weren't able to beat a good team today. That's just all it is. And again, I don't think the performance was necessarily terrible. I think people are just frustrated at the overall state of affairs at Chelsea that, you know, we lost Arsenal, we lost the city, the sky is falling, we're injured, we're not picking up points where we should, yada, yada, yada. And like, I think those are particularly fair criticisms. Like, we are not performing at a, at a real high level right now, but we made it in the next round of the Champions League. Uh, we resumed the Premier League with, Two-thirds of the season left on December 26th once we get past this weekend. And the FA Cup still beckons. So there, there's still a lot to play for. I just I hope that this one cup is not the sole thing that people are hanging their hat on to win this year. You know, again, I just... If it works out, we got a nasty draw. We all laughed know, when the draw came is. out. Like, you know, like, it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. So there's no sense in 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 using this as the data point to be like Potter out. I want Tuchel back. It's like we were competitive again. Like got sloppy, gave up the second, but like we were in it the entire match. Like we weren't played off the pitch. Think back to Maurizio Sorry. Like we were in it. We were competitive. Um, they rotated. We rotated. Felt pretty good at that point. Um, and, and to your point, like. Other teams got knocked out in this sense, so it's just like, mm, okay, move on. I w we weren't really bothered by this anyways. To your point, Nick, this isn't going to make or break the season. It sucks, but there's still plenty, plenty out there for us. You know, the big turnaround in the Champions League is huge. We've earned ourselves a uh, top spot. Um, have to play Dortmund, and and we're we're continuing to just keep that level high. No one's going to remember the season for winning the EFL Cup. I know all of our friends in England 
would would hate me for saying that, but it, it's, it it's is just the reality of the situation. Like there are some years where you have a squad that is fit, healthy, and deep, and you're able to compete for all honors, right? When you have Juan Cuadrado as your back, and I'm telling, and I'm telling you, <laughs> um, but and there there are some years where you just don't. We don't. So like you know, yes, I agree that like uh, on the fan cast, uh, if you if you play them back to back, I'm sure you'll go. Uh, hear Chidge or JK or any of you guys going, ah, well, it's a trophy. Like, we should always try and win a trophy. And, like, on its face, they're 100% right. Like, we should always try and win a trophy. That's when we were trying to define success last week. That was one of our, our kind of core tenants, right? Is going and winning trophies. Like, that is the legacy that we have. The reality of the situation is that this season's just different than any other that we've ever faced. Last year was bonkers. This is even more bonkers. And, I, I, I'm not going to be drowning in self-loathing because we're not playing in the EFL Cup in February, March, April, or May, whenever the hell they finish this thing. Dan, do you feel like we tried to win today and put definitely didn't roll over? Yeah. I mean, one of the goals was a direct free kick, and the other was them getting lucky on a rebound. We also, if their keeper isn't having an unreal night, might have walked away with a win. And we got some players, some rest, heading into arguably the more important game on paper against Newcastle. I I, I still think this team went out to win. I, I, I don't know. I, I would disagree with the initial argument if you said that you don't think we went out to try to win that game. Good. Then we don't have to worry about Potter not respecting another competition, which is which is important. Uh, we're going to take our last break, and we're back. We're going to talk about Potter being the villain. Twitter is on fire, and I am here for it. We'll be right back. All right, Potter the villain, question mark. Uh, I, for the first time in a while, spent some time scrolling the old Twitter timeline, and boy... My timing's not great. Brandon Buzzy has uh, got his new Twitter blue account. He's got his blue check mark. He's just oh, taking it for the man. paces. He's posting long videos. Uh, I posted an audio recording today, by Ooh. the way. So I'm a yeah, I only do that when shit's serious. So you're uh, <laughs> you're into it. <laughs> I did it to I did it uh, in a co-tweet to plug the YouTube video uh, I did. So self-serving as always. I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> triple threat approach. Yeah. Uh, amazing. What I did want to say, though, is uh, a lot of negativity. Uh, and again, maybe I just like opened the cupboard that I didn't want to, but I was seeing so many bully did Tuchel dirty, bring Tuchel back. Like, what it we did, we got rid of Tuchel for this. And I look, I got a little confused. So I did a little bit of homework and I did what any rational person did. I sent assassins. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, lots of people need a nap. It's convenient take after a loss. Wonder what your timelines looked like around this time. And I put a screenshot under Potter where we were unbeaten essentially in nine. I think it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, um, ten. Anyways, and I said. We're unbeaten in nine, and we're losing our minds after losing three and 13 under Potter. Have some perspective. Act like you've seen ups and downs during a season. Like, again, did we lose back-to-back? Yes. Have we lost three out of our last four? Yes. I go, but to throw away all of the ups that we had before that, which we've actually seen significant injuries during and since then, like, Dan, has everyone forgotten the Milan back-to-back thrashing 3 nothing at home, 2 nothing away, going from bottom of the Champions League group to top spot and advancing with, with a game in hand? For people to just, like, have this in their mind to throw it all away, it, it just it, it, it didn't add up for me. And so I tried to put some very reasonable st- statistics and data out there for people to chew on. You did. And they didn't. <laughs> well, they, they uh, you're, you're trying to get like, uh, you know, here comes the airplane, here comes the airplane. You're trying to force feed them the stats, yeah. and uh, they were having none of it. They don't like those mushy peas. And ultimately, the way that maybe we would look at this is imagine you could 
let Graham Potter go tomorrow. Is Thomas Tuchel going to come back? Probably unlikely. You have to pay him an insane <laughs> amount. unlikely. And I don't even think he would want to do it at that point. So, like, what is your what is your hope or end outcome? Because turning back time is not a viable solution at this point. So you can either say, well, let's analyze the whole scope of the problem, which is, yes, maybe the tactics haven't been all great. Maybe in-match adjustment hasn't been to the same or similar standard. We have injured players. We have players who aren't performing. We have areas of the squad that need to be replenished. Like It gets to the point where it's so – time is a flat circle, true detective season one, Matthew McConaughey rotating the can around Nick. But this is how it feels to me. We're just stuck in this endless conversational cycle, and it's just to fill up time because time is what's needed to actually make this better. Yeah, I mean – this is annoying on a lot of levels. I like I I know there were a fair few at Southampton uh in early September. The football was dire at the end of Tuchel's reign. We weren't scoring goals, we weren't completing passes, everyone was underperforming, and that was with a much more comprehensive and healthy team than we have right now. So you know, yes, Tuchel won the Champions League. Yes, we have already praised him to the nth degree on this show for what he provided Chelsea Football Club. Yes, he felt by the end like one of us or whatever the hell that means to anyone. But, yeah, let's pretend that basically after November 1st of last year that we were a mid-table team with points in the Premier League. Let's just forget that, I guess. Let's forget that we couldn't score a single solitary goal in either of our cup finals last year against Liverpool for reasons. Um, what you know? I, look, it's just not all sunshine and rainbows with Tuchel, man. I think that people have revisionist history. They like who they like. And there are some people that if Mourinho could come back tomorrow would have him, right? I mean, it, it just is what it is. Or Carlo or any of these guys that you, you love from, from back in the day. I'm sure people would have Rude Hullet back as manager if, if it meant that you know their ideology was suited. Unless only if he came with only if he came with Bialy. Yeah, and, and he shaved the dreads now, so so that's a bummer. But uh, un- unless the players quit on Graham Potter, right? He ain't going anywhere. So just saddle up and ride and support the fucking team. Like wh- what are we what are we doing here? What, we, what? what one thing I think that is important context is that Tuchel left a very fractured dressing room. And I'd say this is part of the ownership change, so I don't blame Tuchel, but that dressing room was a mess. Yeah. Guys, we saw it this summer. Okay. Alonzo wanted to leave. Ziesch wanted to leave. Keppel wanted to leave. Many, many other players wanted to go. And Tuchel apparently did that whole group A, you're in, group B, you're out. And then the season started and all that group B people weren't gone and he had to rely on them and it, and it affected the players. And I think that that is largely something that Graham has to repair. He has to get these players bought into playing for Chelsea again. Um, So not only does he have to teach them to play a very different style than under Tuchel. Remember Tuchel was, um, possession over everything. Graham Potter is saying, no, you know what? Take a risk, play that vertical pass, get him in behind. Let's try to stretch him, take some chances. He's having to teach the players out of what they've been doing for the last, you know, couple of years. And so there's layers to this. And again, for people just think he's going to rock up, uh, put him in a three, four, three, a three, two, you know, or a three, four, one, two, whatever it is. And just, you know, ball, Ain't gonna happen. The other thing, Keith Schackenberg uh, tweeted back at me earlier tonight. Says Graham Potter and Tuchel forgot how to coach right after Reese James was injured. Huge <laughs> coincidence, no. Also very true. Like, look at Potter. Potter was cooking with Chili B and Reese out on the wings. And I go back to the Milan. They're both losing out. By the way, 
Potter has never had our starting 11, our best 11 on the training pitch. No. He's never seen them. And and the other part of this, too, is that, like, he's about to get a month and change, right? month and a half almost after this weekend to settle, to get into the team. He didn't get a summer training or a summer uh, training camp with these guys. He doesn't know them personally yet. Some of them, by the way, have been underperforming for years, not just now, not just under this new system for years. They've been underperforming. And so he's, he's now in a position where he gets to study a bunch of tape. He gets to bed himself into the culture. He probably has a lot of conversations about transfers with the new incoming eight piece basket uh, hierarchy um, with with transfers and stuff like that. And uh, he gets to figure out what's what a little bit. Can we give the guy a fucking month or two to to bed in without freaking the fuck out like children? I mean, it's just it's so tired and it's so predictable guys that like figure out another way to do this, please, please. It's so boring at this point. You wanted Carlos sack back in the day, by the way, like a lot of people were like pissed at the second year of Carlo. Like that's where it was. So like, just be honest about it. Like there are a bunch of people moaning about Tuchel right before he left. And now they want him back. It's like, this isn't your high school relationships, man. These are people. You know, but I did learn, usually you don't go back to an ex, Nick, because there's a reason you broke up in the first place, man. I had to live that over twice, so Chelsea Twitter, yeah, let him go. Uh, Dan, someone uh, had an intelligent thing, I think, an interesting perspective that doesn't even really go into anything that we've talked about as well, and it talks about Tuchel and the owners and kind of like that compatibility or lack thereof. Are you talking about our, our good friend Dimitri's comments? The father of the McGlockbot. There he is right there. Uh, I think his tweet, which you screen capped in there, it's uh, funny. It's the first tweet not from Brandon Busby here. And uh, <laughs> it said that the only way Tuchel is going to be successful here is if the new owners, under the new owners, is if they abandoned every organizational management principle they've seen succeed over their long business careers and handed him the keys to define the organizational culture as he sees fit. Which, to me makes a whole lot of sense because when you acquire something, there are some bad acquisitions, which we're getting a chance to see play out in a very popular social media platform mm. over the last week mm. and change. And we've seen that happen in other areas where a takeover can be a very positive thing. And this one seemingly has a lot of the positive elements going together for it. But, um, you know, it's not all perfect, which is a fair thing to say, Nick. Tuchel didn't even want this, by the way. He didn't even want the scenario that Dimitri brought up. Like, that was pretty clear, right? He wasn't that engaged with the new ownership. So what you really are saying is that Roman, Marina, and Bruce would have to run the club again for Tuchel to be in his most comfortable management scenario. They're not coming back either, Right. A lot, a lot of people are focused on the past right now. And I get it, man. Change is scary. Change, especially when it doesn't work right away, is scary as fuck. You don't know where this season's going to go. You don't know if we're going to finish 7th or 8th or if we're going to finish in the top four. You don't know if we're going to make a deep run in the Champions League or not. You don't know which players are coming in next summer. It's part of the, the growing process. But... I kind of refuse to believe that a group of people who just bought this club for 2.5 million pounds with the, an additional 1.75 billion pounds of investment are here to fuck it up. I, it, it doesn't seem reasonable. So, you know, yeah, it's not, it's not uh, comfortable right now. It's not happy right now. Right. And I, and I acknowledge that. And, I got caught early this season in saying some of the stuff and, and I reformed myself in a way that everyone loves. But it's it's just change, guys. That's it. Yeah. Uh, again, um, I just so – I've clearly just opened uh, – turned a corner that I don't really like. But people, you know, talking about the owners and that they just don't want anything, people hanging on to two goals – Champions League run, like 
you know, he Tuchel was a beneficiary of where we were at under Frank, right or wrong. Hopefully, Graham Potter can be a beneficiary and turn it around. Like it's just again, we are in a in a good spot. Like we're we're undefeated in nine. We've only lost three, albeit in our last four. You literally just go back 10 games instead of five, and you'll be able to sleep. I promise. Anyways, no Dan of the match. Dan refuses yeah, to Dan. party when there's no party. Lewis Hall. That's fair. Sure. Done. 100% of the vote on this pod. There you go. Um. Anyways, we uh usually talk about the table and, and other results. We've actually done both of those, and they're actually um, – is no future for us in this competition. So not much to talk about in terms of that. Uh, again, we're not talking about again. We're Arsenal. not going to, you know what? This is our commitment for the rest of the season. We're not going to talk about the EFL cup. It's done. This is our last time talking about it. What a, what a <laughs> gift that we are providing everybody. Um, but anyways, the, hey, that that's pretty much it for us. The fact that you get, you know, 50 minutes after loss, I think, I think we did pretty well, gentlemen. I think that, uh, um, we brought a lot to the table, remind everybody context is important. Seasons are not linear. They're up and down. Um, and, and we need to continue to, to drive on, but there's no reason to already hit the reset to Nick's point. The world cup is a, what a week away. Like <laughs> we have one more Premier League match and then we get a hit pause and I feel bad of all the injuries that are leading up to this. I actually think Saturday, all those games are going to be dead rubbers because no one that has a World Cup roster spot is going to do anything to jeopardize that. Um, it, it's just, it's going to be drab until post-World Cup. And then who's injured? Who's healthy? We don't know what to expect. This is a You weird, might as well just press restart on the 26th of December because it is a fresh-ass start. No one knows who is going to come back and be firing or who's going to come back and be sulking? Who's going to whatever we're pressing restart on the season on December 26th. I am desperately looking forward to that moment, but well, pressing pause and we are restarting the last 66% of the season all the way. I think we should start over Everton away. Here we come. Come on. <laughs> the, the, the same CD is still in. Wow. The Walkman. Wow. The Walkman? And Dan's cord is tangled up. Son of a bitch. Anyways, we're going to end on that reference. Hope you all enjoyed it. Hope we brought a little bit of context and levity to the situation. Um, but anyways, we'll be back with more content. Our three idiots selves are going to hang out together this weekend in Kansas City. So I'm sure there's going to be some dumb content. Make sure you're following us on social media, especially TikTok. Uh, we've been That's rehearsing right. a choreographed Go dance. Team. It will be great. All right. It, it involves anyways, moving an uh, arm upward with a glass in one yep. hand. Like and subscribe. As always, share it with the Chelsea fan. We are out. Uh, we will catch you at the weekend. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Thank you